0: Welcome to the Primitive Initiative Podcast. My guest today is Danny Roddy. We talk about self-sustenance, the pathology of stress, authoritarian gurus, repeat, intuition, diet identities, and much more. This was a really fun podcast for me to do. It was as if I was talking to a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time. And we're definitely going to do a part two. This podcast is kind of like sitting in on Danny and I's conversation. We didn't really follow too much of a structure or anything. We just kind of kept going off of each other. The next episode will be, I think, more of a question and answer format where I really want to pull more details about hair loss and how that ties into the bioenergetic uh, view. Danny's content really helped me to understand Ray Pete at a deeper level. He helped to kind of spell out some of the concepts that Ray talks about a lot. His Generative Energy podcast that he hosted is really good. I highly recommend checking out those episodes with Georgie and Ray and also his Generative Energy live streams. I can't wait to have Danny on again for our next episode and enjoy the show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Primitive Initiative podcast. I have Danny Roddy here with me today. Welcome, Danny.
1: Thank you for having me, Ozan. Total <laughs> yeah. pleasure.
0: Good to be here. Absolutely. It's it's awesome that I finally get to have you here. I, I've been wanting to interview you for a while. I, I, want, I have such a long list of people I want to interview and <laughs> not that much time because... Uh, as much as I want to get information out there for people, I also want to survive what's, co- what's about to come.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. Like almost every waking second that I'm like, not doing like work stuff, I'm just watching uh, like preparedness videos. <laughs> and so, so that, like people ask me like, oh, you must be studying on your off time. And I'm like, no, I'm just watching like prepper videos on YouTube like non- non-stop. So, yeah, again, we, another thing we have in common probably.
0: Yeah, I I mean, studying nutrition and everything is cool, and um, it's nice to be able to have that luxury, but when you look back in history uh, and you see the patterns that we're unfortunately following today, uh, hopefully our lifespans will be as long as we want them to, um, but it's... Uh, it's looking less and less like we're going to have the comforts that we've been used to for so long.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is the darkest part about all of this. Like, I'm 35, and I'm thinking to myself, you've had a good life, you know? And, and like, what a devastating thing to think. At, I, I, mean, I, I mean, again, I, like, the luxury of living, um, pe- people die at every age, you know? But, like, uh, and again, I, I'm not thinking of giving up or anything. I don't want to give up. I want to live. But I'm also, right. <laughs> like... In the future, you're going to be looking at going to Japan or going to the Thailand or Philippines as, like, this thing that was available that sure. is never going to be available again. You know, I just assume I'll never travel anywhere again in my life. And so, yeah, yeah. what a, what a terrible, awful thing that they've done,
0: you know. I know. It's, it's, it's amazing. One of my pet peeves recently, not recently, for a while now, has been, yeah, look, look at what COVID has done. Look at COVID <laughs> I'm I'm like, are you serious? This is COVID? This is a virus did this? Man.
1: <laughs> they I I think in one of Klaus Schwab's books, he he emphasizes that something about the public's unawareness of how like viruses work. And so I am not saying I know how they work, you know. Um your your interviews with Ray, by the way, are some of my favorites. Like you have such a good energy on there, like the calm Ozan energy. <laughs> like something I de- <laughs> desperately need. But um, yeah, just how he describes it couldn't be further away from the truth of how they're describing like a infinitely contagious virus that is constantly mutating. And and again, it's just it just preys on the public's gullibility, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have you found that your creativity, your exploration has decreased since this all started?
1: (laughs) I I mean, definitely definitely. Yeah, 100 percent, because I I mean, I I wouldn't have thought about it if if you hadn't said that, you know, but 100 percent because you're just in a primitive, no no pun intended, like a mindset of like survival, you know, or preparing for the absolute worst situation. So it was funny because like a being my mindset from. So I, I went to Thailand in uh, the end of 2019 and spent most of 2020 there. And my like my priorities in life and like when I got to Thailand were so much different than when I left Absolutely. and got back here. It's like it couldn't be t- uh, 180, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure just a general normal person who doesn't maybe share the beliefs that you and I have would say the same thing. But it's it's really um, it's like a 911 times a thousand, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely propaganda is so intense and yeah, you know, I'm not saying it because I've noticed any decline in the quality of your content. I'm just saying <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a possibility.
0: <laughs> I don't want you to take it the wrong way. I I more so meant just because of the way that I feel first like I I you know, I have a lot of passions in health and one of them is water and I get into a lot of debates and stuff like that about water and I was doing a very deep dive into water before this was was going to hit. And I know a lot of people who've been watching what's happening with like transhumanism and eugenics and they knew something like this was coming, but I think this, how fast it happened and how fast it's accelerating surprised a lot of people. Um, and I was doing a deep dive on water, like really getting into it was going to do like this whole series and my creativity and my motivation and my like mental space for that, um, (laughs) like Ray describes like the rats when they're put into that learned helplessness state just went boom just off a cliff and my priorities completely changed
1: yeah no I think we're in the same boat there it's um yeah again I wouldn't have put my finger on it but you're totally right I think I think life has been like turned down a a little bit and and I don't know how it could not be you know again especially if you're thinking about kind of a dismal um dystopian type of future and and you know what, Ray's not really helping the situation because he sounds like pretty, uh, for lack of a better term, but like kind of like pilled on the situation too. And like, even if you're like, okay, I'm gonna move to Mexico and he's like, oh yeah, we'll wait till the government or the cartels steal your land that you purchased there. So it's um, like, there are a few people have actually come to Mexico in the last month or so. And I, I meet up with them and uh, two of the two, two couples, both who wanted to start a farm and the thing that we keep really—it's like it's, we're running around with like ch- uh, um, what's the phrase like chickens with their heads cut off. We like have no idea what to to do. It's just like Absolutely. you can think of a, ba- a bad result of like any action, and so yeah, it's the the paralysis of of not knowing what to expect. And so so I, I, I like like speaking of water, you know, I'm if you watch enough of those prepper people videos they say to have redundancy on filtering water you know so i've been like stockpiling perky filters and like fluoride filters and then i have like a expensive military grade like backpacking filter if those break down then i and again i have no idea if any of this is going to be useful but then i just bought like a military panel solar thing that's like it was like a couple hundred dollars it was way too expensive but so even if that stuff is total junk and not useful at all it's almost like doing that stuff takes the edge off a little bit you know and so I mean who again who knows what's going to happen but it's uh yeah frightening times
0: I I don't want to make it sound uh so basic but the rats that were given or the mice that were given something to chew on while they were in their learned helplessness state survived they were able to get by so I think that's similar to what people need to do. They need to just keep moving and doing things, uh, hopefully <laughs> for their benefit instead of just binging Netflix.
1: hundred <laughs> percent. And so, so again, I know there's a dark topic we can probably move on, but like the, um, I, I realized when I got here that I like the power goes out here fairly frequently. And yes. I realized one day I don't even have a flashlight. And so that was like the it, I have so much more like now, you know, I'm I'm so much more prepared. But I whenever I lived here, I purposely didn't buy a lot of stuff because I was always moving around and like going to other places. But now it's like, okay, you're here for the potentially forever. <laughs> so just like yeah. buy anything possible that might make life easier given the crazy things that we know might happen or cyber attack or whatever the hell.
0: Yeah, and and I want to talk to you about Mexico and everything here. But I, I, it was interesting what you said about kind of, like, not knowing what to do and feeling like a chicken with its head cut off. There's a guy named Sam Jaron. I don't know if you know him. Um, he, he, He's, like, um, he became Muslim later on in his life. Um, and I think he lives in Russia right now. And he does YouTube videos on, like, eugenics and stuff. Like, he's very, very caught up with everything that at least you cover in your podcast and stuff. And um, he takes a very philosophical approach, and he's talking about how <clears> – <throat> in uh like i believe he was saying russia like the 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 propaganda and the scares would come um in waves instead of a chronic uh stress because what they realized is that the chronic stress drove people to become independent and self-sufficient where the pulses of stress were actually keeping people uh in a daze where they weren't sure what route to take they couldn't make concrete decisions and they were just They were hoping that they would just capture them in a state of confusion.
1: (laughs) I I mean, that's wild. It um, I'm I'm totally forgetting what I posted on Twitter, but it was a old person that um, Lieutenant Lewin or something. He was like a big wig at Tavistock, and he basically said exactly what you said in like the 50s. Like they knew that keeping a person hazy as to what was going to happen, and and you described it even better of like waves of um, and not letting the person be prepared. I've never really thought of it that way. I, I mean, that's. They're really kind of like smart at how they manipulate culture. And again, if they've been doing stuff uh, like that at Tavistock, which we I mean, know for a fact that they have been, like, yeah. think of how much experience they have in kind of psychological torture operations and what you figure out and how to control people. Like, Wasn't there some amount of time, um, like if you totally transition a person away from their normal life, I think there was like a certain amount of time nesse- that was necessary for them to get used to their new life I'm really butchering the details here. But anyways, like yeah. stuff that like uh, maybe the average person doesn't know that Tavistock has a, um, I don't know how many years of experimenting and accumulating data on um, weird psychological torture types of tests and things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that they have the, all that, I don't want to say figured out, but they have more information about it than we think. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, they don't want to give people enough time. And, and, you know, people think that the vaccine is a depopulation thing, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure it is, but uh, <laughs> but that alone is a depopulation tactic, the pulsation, because there's only going to be a few people, not a few, but there's going to be a select group of people who can survive that kind of stress, who can adapt to that kind of stress. So it's like each layer is a filter, <laughs> you know, and um, I don't know why they're trying to purify the type of people that are going to survive because they're not going to be easy to deal with (laughs) and and purify not in the eugenic sense but however they're trying to do it
1: yeah yeah like it was very non-authoritarian survivors um to the max you know Uh, that that is a very important point you just said you could easily over focus on the administration of a vaccine or what exactly the hell that's going to do and we probably won't know for 30 or 50 years or whatever but but you're right. Just the chronic stress that we've all been through is is probably anti-fertility in and of itself. And of course, Absolutely. like if you're if you're like intelligent <laughs> your person, you're probably not going to have kids right now. Like that's that has to be the most unimaginable stress ever, you know. And so. So, yeah, just those things alone uh, uh, that we've experienced are
0: um, uh, depopulation or, or whatever. focused. My wife and I were talking about adopting because we don't have children yet. And we were saying, let's give a child who is of a relatively older age a chance to survive this thing and teach them how to live off the land and we'll have another person to help us.
1: So I retract my earlier statement about that.
0: So I'm I'm
1: just joking. I I don't know. I'm like, a, I mean... That James Corbett, he's somebody I like look up to, you know, and he and he's said at one point, like the whole life, the whole purpose of life is like to procreate and to have kids and things. And I don't know, I think some of my friends, I'm again, I'm thirty five. A lot of my friends are uh, having children. It's like never been anything that I've been motivated to do. So maybe at 40 or something, it won't be motivation, but not at the
0: moment. (laughs) When I put my when I put my head in the state of like a farmer with a lot of land, I can see having kids. I'm not promoting child labor here. I'm saying, you know, teach. Like, okay, so part of the reason why, you know, my podcast and the thing that I'm trying to represent is Primitive Initiative, not because I want to bang on a rock in, in an attempt to create a fire, but because I think it's extremely important to get back some of those skills we had to get us where we are today. Um, it seems like that's all being replaced with this knowledge that, frankly, doesn't matter. Um so, you know, smart. I, I, yeah. I watch
1: some of those homesteading channels, you know, and they have children. And um, so, yeah, that seems like a smart idea to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, I, I totally understand your reluctance for raising a child from birth. <laughs> I mean, just the birthing process alone. I mean, when you consider the nutrient deficiencies, you know, the energetic deficiencies that women have, it is riskier today to try to have children at home. It's funny, it's not funny, but I guess it's ironic that in the past it's said that there was more children dying at birth, but now we're having issues in a different way. We need to have our hands held through the entire birthing process, and not just your hand held, but you're being manipulated through it all, from forced to take DHA <laughs> because everyone says you should during birth to you have to come to the hospital, the epidural. So okay, did child mortality actually decrease? How about if we take the hospitals away? Let's take the grid away. Let's take the supply chain away. How about our birth rate then? You know,
1: so. good, good points. I've investigated none of that. But I've heard stories from my friends that makes me extremely <laughs> hesitant. Like, I've heard horror stories of, um, and, and again, th- those photos that are kind of proliferating about the the plastic in between the child and the mother and then Maybe, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's like a Facebook one of the child being taken away from the mother because she tested positive for COVID, and after birth she had to like go get a COVID test, and she was denied access to the hospital and stuff. So, so again, I, if that were if I were ever to have a child, I wouldn't try to go through the hospital system. But yeah, it just it seems like a huge ordeal is what I'm trying to say, with fraught with a lot of error.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know if you remember. I think it's my second podcast with Ray. We talk. I, I talked about how long would it take to reverse some of these genetic um, <laughs> pre, predispositions, <laughs> and you know, and I, I think Ray sometimes has the voice of the conscience we don't want to hear, <laughs> because he's so upfront. He's so filterless in a way where he'll he'll tell you what he's thinking, and um, he it, he said it would take a few generations to undo these genetic predispositions you know quote unquote I, I know the listeners can't hear but I'm doing a quote unquote because <laughs> because the genetic predisposition I asked him I said is it can it ever be independent from the environment and he gave a very firm no
1: <laughs> that that's like again not to overuse this phrase but the black pill of Ray's work is kind of realizing how bad the environment is and how like our livelihoods and vitalities have been like kind of robbed from us, you know, except you where you're living off grid. You're fine. <laughs> like...
0: Oh, I'm, I'm not off grid yet. I'm uh, working <laughs> towards it. Yeah, no, no, not there yet. I, I definitely uh, wish I was, but a lot of challenges come with that too. I, I definitely don't think it's going to be a walk in the park and anyone listening to this, who's like, Oh, okay. That's the, what I should do to survive. It comes with a slew of challenges that frankly we're trying to ram into a few years of being awakened to this stuff. I mean, people learn this stuff from when they were just able to walk. Their parents would teach them in the past. Now we go through this school system that teaches us basically nothing, and then we're thrown into the world where it's it's we're living in an illusion. <laughs>
1: well, that was the disheartening part. If, like, you've been a conspiracy, so-called, and I'm using air quotes now, conspiracy theories for long enough. Like, I used to have arguments in San Francisco, like, 2014 about... The goal was eventually to vaccinate everybody, like forced yeah. vaccination. You know, yep. like those were conversations like I, I use. And again, not, 2014 is not that long ago. But like that was an insane, crazy idea. And and the people that I would talk to would still say, yeah, that's like a good thing to to do that, you know. Yeah. And so you um, your you what you said earlier about this stuff happening so fast, you know. So it went from obviously the corona of all the narrative changing from deaths to cases then f- from vaccines, one like for two weeks, and th- I don't know how actually long it was. It felt like a week or two, and then immediately to vaccine passports. Now to booster shots. Like, and again, that has to be a part of this whole too. Is like the news cycle is so fast that it totally discombobulates a person, and um, you can't you can't get focused, and you 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 have to do what kind of Ray said, disconnect from almost everything. And I've been taking his advice this, this year especially, and like especially excluding negative energy that I used to tolerate. And I feel like I'm a a better person for it. It's just like, it's just not even, not even worth it anymore. to like, even (laughs) like, I used to be like, Oh, well you should allow, like allow those things to hang out there and then other people will get in. But at a a certain point you realize that people just like kind of want the attention or they just want, even if it's bad attention. and, And so it's just, uh, yeah, it's a getting that out of your life as well. And so you're a content creator; you under you understand that very well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I, I I loved what Ray said at the end of your uh, uh, interview with him just the other day. Learn Spanish. <laughs> yeah, learn Spanish and have fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was, uh, I, so uh, yeah, I, I'm like one of the. I don't know if he was speaking directly to me or not, but he he was like. Uh, I'm my Spanish is like terrible for living in Mexico as long as I've been. So I was like, yeah, maybe I should take him up on that.
0: (laughs) It's amazing from the way that Ray, not only what he knows, but the way that he holds himself, it's he totally takes his own advice. And he doesn't seem to stress out about stuff. Of course, how can you know this about a person for sure? You don't know it. But you can kind of tell from his demeanor, he almost lets the things that are happening in life happen on a different level than where he's at. He's able to stay balanced somehow. I don't know if it's his age or his wisdom or what, but I, I really like that. And I try to mimic that.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, isn't that why we like Ray so much as part of it? It's just his demeanor. And right. like, remember in K, the KMUD episodes when that one woman would call with kind of the, the high shrieking voice. Yeah. And like, she's like, so she like activate my nerve, my sympathetic nervous system. Anytime i hearing her. And Ray was just like always calm and collected and I think she like really pushed him against the wall one time. And I think he was like, Oh, like everything I know suggests like serotonin is bad or something. And like, and so again, I again my whole journey into this was like uh the inherent understanding that I had like a very bad stress problem, you know, like right. I I uh broke down into a fine micronized powder when dealing with stress. And so for somebody to say that, you know, how he says it and to give you the whole package of like metabolism and everything. That was kind of the beautiful part because like I used to do a podcast with, Chris, I've said this like a thousand times, but I used to do a podcast with Chris Kresser and he, he would say like eat high fat, low carb, um, moderate protein or whatever. But if you have like a stress problem, all bets are off. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. It's like the diet is like different than the stress. <laughs> like, like, so they're like, they're different. And you have to tackle both of them or something. And I, ha- I heard actually a lot of people say that and so um i don't know maybe gaining an understanding of my reaction to stress and and that being this kind of this major life problem and then hearing ray say it i was like man i think this guy actually like knows what he's talking about and that these other people are kind of like making it up as they go along
0: Absolutely. I agree. I, I used to listen to Chris Kresser a lot. You know, I, I've been through all of those people that appear on each other's podcasts and crisscross and do all that. Tell
1: me a little bit about it. I'm interested.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and I used to hear that thing, too, where stress was like its own physiological thing. It, it, it didn't relate to the diets that they recommended. That's that's something that that's a disease in addition to all the other ones that they're trying to solve with expensive tests and supplements. Um, but when, you know, there's, we have EMF experts now, right? This guy's all about EMFs. He'll teach you how to mitigate that. This guy is about mold and this guy is about, you know, a uh, vitamin disease. D. <laughs> yeah. yeah vitamin <laughs> D. And, but when you look, look at it, you know, this guy's like, well, you got to do all this to mitigate EMF. And I'm like, well, what is, what is, what is EMF at the end of the day? It's stress. Even the metabolism of EMF on the body does the same things that stress does without EMF. You're getting calcium into the cell, right? You're going to need to oppose that. So it, it actually, I don't want to say this because I don't agree with this, but you could almost say the core of disease is this rotating ball of stress.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> you know, I, I,
0: don't, I just don't want people to think that I really do think that's the only cause of disease. I mean, if you ingest enough mercury, that's going to be your cause of disease. But <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like, as a uh, let's say a rule of thumb to today's world. So um, I think instead of looking at the individual pieces, let's look at the coherent... Uh, theme here which is stress (laughs) right i think that's
1: beautiful you know and again and then tying that into body temperature and pulse rate and maybe throwing out the idea that your thyroid and your um, accumulation of metabolic stress has like an inverse relationship and that's like a starting place for moving in some some direction and so if it's just like like this ethereal concept of stress like what is it oh it's like I was in and I got in an argument and I'm stressed out and like, that's the cause of all disease. Just like getting in, no, it's like a much, much bigger idea of the metabolism being lower and thus necessitating, like a a higher activation of these stress systems. And so, so again, that's simple, but I just had never heard of it, uh, like spoken from somebody intelligent, like Ray, and then him invoking like a a Hans Selye and all these other thinkers. um, And also him being resistant to like, always being wanting to point people towards the other people in the fields of understanding and stuff. Like, I mean, we could just talk all this whole podcast about how we love Ray or whatever, but, um, but yeah, yeah that, 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 was, that was the thing. And then, and then, and then and the, the side thing is Ray just being an interesting person in of it, in and of itself. And we were talking earlier about his disposition kind of admiring that. And, and that and to me being the kind of the, um, walking the walk, you know what I mean? And so, again, I don't think I'm some amazing specimen or anything, but I couldn't even like talk to you 10 years ago or something like that. That wouldn't even have been possible. I would have had such a bad stress response or something. I could never do a live stream that would that sounds terrifying. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, again, I'm not saying those are some amazing acts, but I'm just saying in my kind of uh, trajectory of life, like I I think I'm more resistant to stress than I was like 10 years ago when I when I hadn't I didn't know who Ray Pete was.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's it's I really try to help people, um, and I have a funneling effect, I'm sure, as you do, when you try to help someone who might not know anything about this stuff. You don't know what to say first. You just have <laughs> this much information, and you're trying to squeeze it out of a tube that comes to a two-inch tip. So, I, you know, it's, and, and I meet so many people that used to be like you were and unable to talk to people, uh, you know, make their words come out in any logical way. And um, they think they're stuck in that state, you know. they they Their doctors convince them that they're, that, you know, you're going to have to take this pharmaceutical. Um, this is just the way that you are. You were born like this. And, wow, how much damage that type of thinking has caused to people. Unnecessary suffering. And I think I, I love Ray's ability to just year after year come out with articles to just completely crush the narrative. It's just beautiful. And um, it's just a shame that... It, the voices that oppose him are so much larger and his audience is relatively small. I mean, unfortunately, as as much as we get into our community of like-minded individuals, it's just so small. But if we look at in history and see like individual people making a large difference that's what gives me hope that you don't need to be a huge group of people just like recently there's been talk about how can we reverse all of this authoritarianism going on you don't need actually a very large amount of the population to oppose it you actually need a small portion of it that are very active and and motivated um and you guys have been talking and even georgie has been very fond of being like all right, like, I'm going to try to get offline, like, I'm going to try to live life, like, you know, and he's so good at what he does, writing articles and dissecting the research. He's amazing. But, and I can see how hard that might be for someone like him to disconnect from that. But it's almost like a reality for anyone who's actually thinking is forcing us to disconnect. Hopefully, we can come together physically as a community, which that's trying to be stopped, too. But... (laughs)
1: Well, wasn't there some gigantic march maybe in London today or something? And oh, some I of the didn't... people, some of the people I follow on Twitter were like, "There's like maybe I, I hope I'm not misspeaking, but like a hundred thousand people marching or something." So that oh. there are little glimmers of hope like that. Um, yeah, And and again, those people that visited me talking to them and like IRL, you know, in real life, like yeah. what what an amazing experience. Because I generally don't really talk to that many people in Mexico anyways, as, except the people that order my milk from me, you know, like or for me. And yeah. so that was just fun in and of itself. It's always fun when you can talk to somebody that knows who Ray Pete is. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, again, and I'm not saying Ray is an oracle and he knows everything, but it, he, it seems like they have so many so many bags of tricks you know like like he was saying last last night that if too many people wake up they'll just pull a, a cyber attack card or something and do something like that so again i'm i hope that doesn't happen but i'm i guess i'm preparing for it
0: yeah yeah there's there's only so much we can do and and i think these conversations usually lead to a space that a lot of people are uncomfortable with which is spirituality and your purpose in life and what is the bigger meaning? Because you can only, in my personal opinion, hang on to this material realm tightly for so long before you realize how unstable it truly is. So I think people really need a, a stable anchor and that's going to be, have to be for them to figure out what that is. So
1: Still trying to figure it out, I was in.
0: <laughs> And Never said it was easy. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, uh, hopefully maybe it'll wake some more people up to trying to do that because, uh, you can't anchor on things that continually move and cause you to distrust it. Like a lot of people put their anchor in the government. Whoa, bad bet. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, you know, like I used to identify as an atheist and I used to be big into like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins a long time ago, like in the, uh, when was Bush president, like, uh, 2008 or, or something. Uh, anyways, but I, I think I have infinitely more in common these days with religious folks, you know, and I, 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 I again I always harp on people I know in San Francisco, but there it was uniform atheism across the board, you know. And it it would be interesting to identify how that informed their life decisions, you know. And so I don't know. I in, in such a, a very low level, I think of like my purpose and stuff is to do this work, you know. And so if I didn't have this, I would I don't know what where I'd be, you know, like that would that would be devastating. And so to find a passion or a purpose in life or whatever it is like that, that is critical, you know? And, and also how fortunate are we to have even found that, you know, like it's kind of felt at least for myself, like fell ass backwards into it just by getting sick and then going through the, all the, the different diets and things. But it's like hard to figure out like what somebody's passionate about. And it, and I, and I, I know that's like, um, it's like more of a luxury or, or a rarity to to be super hyper passionate about something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to sound like a guru or anything, but I I I think when it comes to people with some spiritual practice, I, I see that they're more resilient to um, learned helplessness. Um, they they have such a large image of whatever is governing something that. The individual pieces don't sway them as much. This is a very generalized statement, but it's just my observation that this believing in a higher power or something that is structuring things around them for them, they're not responsible for the structure necessarily. They might help contribute to it. They might even be encouraged to help the structure, but overall there's something larger. A lot of things can go wrong in these people's lives, but they're able to dampen that learned helplessness and keep hope, and I think with hope comes courage. So um, I, I, I see it as a beneficial thing, and I have for many years, and it's actually what kind of led me to this. I was way into, I'm going to use the vague term spirituality just to not get anyone's panties in a bunch. I won't <laughs> get my panties in a bunch. <laughs> not yours. Not yours. I, I really want this to appeal to a general audience. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and, and so... Yeah, I I think just getting out of that learned helplessness state is really really important, and if people are new to Ray's work, that he he reviews that a lot. Um, so
1: well, not too long ago I had Jay Dyer on my. He's kind of a controversial figure these days, yeah. but like, I had him on my podcast. So I was I was interested in uh, re- religion. You know, it's like um, I don't know. I'm I'm always open to different things, but it like I feel like whatever um how do i say this like whatever i think is accurate will just like naturally draw me in that direction you know it'll just be like intuitive and and when i was exploring that stuff nothing ever drew me in any specific direction and so who knows if it will and sometimes it's kind of like the like the vitamin d stuff it just it just like on its face sounds like wrong you know and but but i don't know i mean getting back into your primitive self following your instincts and always going with like, like I didn't, I didn't think Ray was onto something cause I know so much science and that my, my scientific knowledge agreed with him. It was just like, yeah, there's something about this guy that's like real. And I, and I there's something about what he's saying that seems, um, I don't know. The, the, my, what I'm trying to say is my intuition led me to him, not because I'm so scientifically minded. If anything, I think I'm, I'm really not technical. And so I don't think that's what I bring to the table. It's like my extreme technical knowledge.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people have trouble separating their technical mind from their intuition and what they feel. Um, I think a perfect example is a lot of the keto people I meet who think this is right, but feel that it's wrong. (laughs) And I'm like, do you think that that could be causing some issues for you? (laughs) So yeah, I don't uh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say the keto stuff is um, I've heard this from so many people, but it's like a bait and switch, you know, because if you go from standard American diet to keto, you're you're ostensibly going to feel better. You know, it's like a high likelihood. And then at some point there's like for a lot of people or many people, there's some switch to where it's like you might might have hit the the or uh, Matt Stone used to say the catecholamine honeymoon or whatever. And (laughs) and then it it, it starts feeling terrible. And, you know, and then you don't even know it's hard because you slip into it. So um, uh, what, what word am I looking for? Slowly, you know, over a period right. of time, uh, for a lot of people, that it's hard to identify, and so, and, and then you're also you've at that point you're wrapped up in the keto community or the carnivore community, and you're a part, you're a member of Meat RX, and you know Sean Baker, and like, <laughs> and your whole world is in that, and so, um, yeah. again, I want I want to hear your experience, but like I defected from um, veganism, defected from uh carnivore and and the carnivore one was a little more devastating because i like identified as that and had a website and people knew me as a carnivore advocate and stuff but i i'm a little bit fortunate because you know how like um the health camps are so much more they're so much bigger these days and and when i was getting into health in like i don't know i think i was vegan in, like 2007 or something it just mm-hmm. wasn't that popular you were like a weirdo if you were like really into health stuff yeah at that point at least at least in in my brain but well what about how many different things did you have to fail at to get to the metabolic point of view?
0: Yeah, before I get to that, I, I want to say that I think I think it was you, uh, I believe in, I don't know, I've watched so much, and listened to so much stuff that I'm going to say, I think it was you that you said, like, a lot of people don't just come to repeat. Like, that's not like the first diet they adopt. They're like, high sugar, orange juice, oysters, liver, let's do it. Like, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I think you see the wisdom in that from your track record of trying out all these previous diets and gurus and you're like, wow, he has the best of all worlds here. Um, that's how I came to Ray. And one, the, uh, I had an inception moment or, um, and that inception moment, uh, I had already been into health for a while, but I was looking into Dave Asprey, you know, the, the biohacker, bulletproof diet, bulletproof coffee guy. And, uh, he, I don't, I don't know where it is, but he had some reference to Ray Pete. I think in like two thousand twelve or something like that. Weren't you also on his podcast? No, no, no. I never went on. What
1: the? Maybe it was about fructose because he mentioned in the comments one time. Uh, somebody asked him about fructose, and he was like, "Um, I think Ray is interesting, but he is definitely wrong on fructose or
0: something." No, he he was actually agreeing with him. Oh, on fructose? Uh, no, not on fructose. I forget the topic. It might have been just poofa.
1: Oh, okay. okay.
0: Yeah. Continue. I interrupted. Keep going. Keep going. No, that's okay. I, uh, and when I, when I saw that, I, I previously, before being exposed to Dave Asprey, I used to, or ended up working for a doctor named Adiel Tal Oren. He's from Israel. And uh, have you ever seen any of his content? No. Okay. He's the one who introduced me to um, pigs being fed pufa, essentially pufa laden feed, uh, in order to fatten them up. Uh, As opposed to like saturated fats, uh, because they realized that they could destroy their thyroid function that way. And so I got exposed to that very early on. So I was very cautious of PUFA. The only time I had a PUFA relapse (laughs) was when I got exposed to Jack Cruz's work. And he started getting into kind of like the body electric type concepts. And it came from a different uh, frame of mind where he's like, well, you need the DHA in order to have like proper... You know, electrical function in your body, and I don't want to get into it right now. And I was like, well, I guess it's so unstable that that would make sense that it has such a chain-reactive reaction. <laughs> um, but a- anyway, so so yeah, I started out um, at a young age fasting, actually. Uh, so uh, dietary interventions were kind of part of my lifestyle and religion. And so I always was conscious of what I was putting into my mouth um and i grew up in turkey and when i came back to the united states uh, i swelled up like a balloon um i was hanging on to a bunch of water weight i started to look like a girl where if you look at the pictures of my past i was masculine and if you were to compare the pictures i look older more developed and vital in turkey than at a later date when i was older coming to the united states i look like a baby um I, I literally got that estrogen dominance, um, like gender bending food and, uh, it completely changed my body and my mind and, uh, I got extremely depressed and this was a very young age. Um, this is like middle, before middle school. And, um, my dad <laughs> decided we need to do something about Ozon because he's starting to go downhill. And uh, I was chronically sick. And it's funny because so much of this was happening to me at such an early age. Usually this starts happening later for people. Um, And of course, my vaccinations and everything got caught up when I arrived at the United States. Uh, I like to say that I was a free reign child in Turkey. I didn't spend time indoors. The electricity went out all the time, just like in Mexico. Our water heaters were on the roof it's not like you had like dependable electricity. The sun is what powered the heating of the water, which would sometimes come, sometimes wouldn't. I was outside, like I lived outside. My skin color was completely different. I was, I looked black. And um, so like, I'm sure my hormonal profile was just so different. And <clears throat> after coming here and experiencing what the West had to offer, <laughs> I uh, my, my dad's like, we got to change something. And believe it or not, he put me on a low carb diet. And I started dropping a lot of weight very quickly. But what I was doing is I was eating a lot of saturated fat. I was not eating candy and all of those things that I'm sure would be okay if it was just sugar. But it wasn't just sugar. I mean, so much comes with a Snickers bar that isn't sugar. (laughs) And um, so that was the positive aspect to that diet. Um, And then after that, it was just diet after diet for me i started reading labels even more religiously i started looking into longevity and i started doing this in like later uh, late middle school so my interest got sparked very early on and the more i went through all of the um diets the more i was noticing that yes macronutrients matter but the quality of the food I, i start. i kept coming that the quality of the food is what really matters and I think somebody could consciously be healthy uh, on just an unconscious diet, if that makes any sense. You don't need to be conscious of any dietary theory if you have quality food. So the more I started exploring that, I went into veganism because I saw that the meat wasn't quality enough. And then I realized, hey, I can get (laughs) I can get quality meat. So I gave up veganism, went to raw omnivorism, where I thought that the cooking was the issue because we're ruining the food with the Teflon and the high heat. And I looked at ancient cultures. They wouldn't cook their food over the fire directly. They would put it next to the fire. So I was like, okay, cooking's the issue. I was, you know, I don't want to draw this out too long. I want to interview you. But... Uh, it's just so intricate and complicated. And I'm sure it's the same for you. And people try to make it sound simple like you do, like, oh, I was vegan and this, that. But there's, you know, there's so many intricacies intricacies through all of that. You have your doubts, you have your affirmations, and then you have your illnesses. Then you think you solved it with some method, but you're like, did that method solve it? So eventually I landed at Ray uh, again. (laughs) And I was like, there's something here. And that's when I was uh, on good terms with an individual named Matt Blackburn, um, <laughs> which, which, <laughs> yeah, which which later changed. Yeah, which later changed. And it was also the reason why it changed for a lot of the other gurus that I used to follow. And I'm very off put by sales pitchy people. Um, I understand everyone has to make money. I totally understand that. But when it interferes with the integrity of the information. Um, You can only be vested in something so much before you start bending the truth when you see some opposing information coming in. You know, you you really have to be committed to that product if you're putting in thousands of dollars, marketing, and people start to depend on you, put that anchor on you.
1: Number one, big ups to uh, dad, Ozan, because that's an amazing story, you know, like that your dad intervened. Uh, Number two... What? When you like, Did uh, I forget what interview he said it, but I think Ray's kind of impetus for studying nutrition was like increase the health of like low socioeconomic uh, people. So he thought like milk and orange juice and eggs were like cheap foods that could increase the health of um, lower income families and stuff. And like when I, I don't remember when I heard that, but it was maybe a few years after getting into Ray's work. And you mentioned Dave Asprey. So I figure like Dave is the like, complete opposite. You know, he like caters to the elite of the elite. And if you can't get his specific product or whatever, like you're not going to be healthy. And he's just always like pitch after pitch of, of some new device or whatever. And um, and other people were like that. You know, like if you're going to succeed in the health world, you better your am should be like a mercola type to have a store where you have a bunch of shit in it and you sell everything and you just are stacking stacking dollars for making so much money and so um i didn't i didn't really know what like authoritarianism was like i knew i didn't like it because not to harp on chris but chris kind of had to me interacting with him kind of had like an authoritarian complex like he wanted he always tried to be very smart like he was on top of the science and it's Kind of I- ironic that he gets like blown out by that vegan on Joe Rogan's show.
0: Con, Joel Khan.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, no, he, he got there. He had a debate with an MMA fighter that made that movie.
0: Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know. Game changers.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, where was I going with this? Okay, and so then you get to a Ray who is ultra humble, sells <laughs> nothing, and and again that I think Ray's kind of artist persona is the one that i most strongly resonate with like in music um the bands that i always liked were like the punk or like the hardcore bands that were like uh, like did it didn't sign to major labels and stuff and also my band like signed to a major label and that was actually our downfall was signing to a major label and everything we were like doing really well until that happened and then it was like two two three years of going downhill uh and that's a two-hour story in and of itself but anyways so, so again, I always uh, appreciated kind of the punk rock um, artist side of things. And Ray is like, if there's a, I'm using air quotes here, people, but like, hey, health guru, air quotes, <laughs> that that is um, anti-authoritarian punk rock. It's like Ray Pete, you know? And so obviously emulating kind of the, we talked about this yesterday, but like, that's that's who I hold up as kind of like the coolest person in my sphere of of people. And so that's what I want to be. And so, and also it, if you're trying to have like a, so say the thing uh, that's therapeutic about having a conversation with somebody is your connection. How, how much harder is it to have a connection with somebody when they know that you have ties to all these different products and you're going to recommend this because you're going to make the back end off of it and stuff. And so I always thought that was like a conflict of interest and not to belabor the story even longer, but there were, um, I forgot when it was maybe like 2012 or 13 or something, but, uh, A lot of people, um, what was the amino acid? It was like L-carnitine or something. But anyways, in 2012 or 13, there was like a vegan thing saying L-carnitine caused cancer. And a lot of the paleo people had to like quickly write articles saying L-carnitine is not part of the cancer, the carcinogenic process, uh, because they all had supplements that contained L-carnitine. And so again, I don't, I have no idea if L-carnitine is involved in cancer. I mean, I don't think so. But but that was just a bad position to be in, like to have a product and have to defend it when new information came out. And so I was like, you know what? I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to make a supplement. I'm never going to... Um, I mean, I'm just going to be as product-free as possible and hope that I can maintain float, like the the, the ship, you know? And um, and so, yeah, that was always my orientation and thinking. And so, so, again, I just think that hyper-product-orientedness is problematic in many different ways. And it probably um, necessitates a more authoritative <laughs> complex, because if you find dents in that, then maybe your product sales go down or, or something like that. I don't know. I've never done it, <laughs> but but like that, that might be
0: the key there. I, I really respected you for that. I, I, you know, I, he, here's how I thought about it. And I, I was attempting to go in that direction because I was having a hard time researching, giving all my time to this and not making any money. I mean, I, as much as I bash on supplement pushers, I, I get it. Like, I I understand, uh, you know, so I would never have no sympathy. But the thing is that if it's messing with your integrity, it's a very dangerous road because you're there to help people. So where did you draw the line between helping and all of a sudden harming them? So I think about it like the medicine men of the past. The, the, the societal structure that we have today is feeding into the paradigm that You, as a healer, that's your career. But if you look in the past, it wasn't really a career. It was the passion of these medicine men. They were part of the whole of society. It was their duty to keep people healthy. And because people were grateful, because they saw the purpose of these priceless individuals, they would give them all of their blessings. They would give them all of their hard-earned crops and all sorts of sacrifices they would make in appreciation of the medicine men of society. And that's kind of how I see Ray, because what does Ray push on people? Nothing.
1: Yeah, there, I, I I forgot when, but there uh maybe, I don't know, 2014 or 15. There's like a book that, it was, I, I never read it, I just remember the title of it, but it was like, Free is the New Business Model, and that resonated with, with me strongly, too. It was like, Okay, I hate the idea of um, secretive content, and so it's like here's a little bit of it. You can pay me for the rest of it. Like I hated that business model, even though I engaged in um, e- I did that ebook thing for a while. So again, I'm not fr- I'm uh, not free of criticism. You know, I there were a few years where I sold really high priced ebooks, and and I jettisoned that business model and basically went completely poor and had to sleep on my friend's couch for a long time. But <laughs> but what what am i trying to say here but the going back to the punk rock stuff um like the in the 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 advent of napster and things like that like i was a napster kid like i downloaded every p- thing th- uh, piece of music i had from napster and then i'd go see the band live when they came uh, to the my town you know and so it's kind of like um the what i'm trying to say here is like i knew that i could make content so make the best content you possibly can and then people are naturally going to want to talk to you, and that's that was like in a ex- totally acceptable business model to me. And it's like I don't even mind talking to people. It's like it's like very rare that it's even like a difficult task. And so it's like that's a that's like a perfect life if you could just make content and 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 then talk to people like that would be a great setup if you could make that work. And then moving to Mexico where your uh, dollar goes a lot farther. Of course, it probably probably won't for long, but that that was like. That was the coup de gras it's like okay, you can live sustainably and in San Francisco you you couldn't do that so um that's part of the reason that I thought it would be such a good idea to move here but but yeah anyways
0: yeah no I, I think somebody who's trying to achieve a goal needs to see where where is their happiness uh, is it what what's your goal here are, are you trying to become rich off of being a biohacker or are you okay? <laughs> Uh, are you OK just living a good life, whatever the, your definition of that is? Where is your cap? And can you just produce good content? And that then drives a natural organic following that wants to support you because you're an honest person. Right. So same with music, same with underground music. I mean, I remember so many bands would have so much fluff in their merch, in their everything else but their music. And just make good music and they will come build it and they will come. I'm, I'm a big believer in that
1: i know this sounds like the most mainstream uh um example possible but the weekend they started or he started by um proliferating those free uh eps you know i don't know if i don't know if you're here i'm not if you are i am not not a weekend fan but anyways they he like released three albums i think and i remember them like going around uh my friend group like what like wildfire and then i heard like his first show that he ever did he got like paid like a hundred thousand dollars for it And so, like, again, it was examples like that, like this new model that I was like that. Yeah, this is totally the way to do it. And so I think there are still like dinosaurs around that are like, here's a little bit of the info. You can pay me for the rest. But I just I thought that was a um, low aptitude approach of um, not reading the room. Well, like and also with like sick people, like, do you really want to be restraining information? If you think you really do have valuable information, you want to be restraining it from people that are in need. It doesn't didn't really seem right.
0: (laughs) In the beginning of quote-unquote COVID, uh, Chris Masterjohn was just all of a sudden decided to release like this exclusive thing on how to avoid getting sick from COVID. So, and he would just give you a little piece of it, right? Like people are on the verge, or at least what he was trying to make out of this extremely deadly disease, apparently. And he's like, he's like, make sure you take zinc. But if you want to find out how much <laughs> go <laughs> for only $10, <laughs> you can save your family.
1: It's so. Fun. I met him in like 2011. And I think, um, obviously Chris has such like a high level of intelligence about physiology and things, but it was like, I, I, I maybe it's, my personality is kind of like extreme, but I was always gravitated to people that were like putting together like a coherent picture. And I was always disinterested in people that weren't doing that. So again, this is not a dig on Chris or anything, but like, I never felt like he really was like putting some direction together with his work. It was kind of just like a, like a buffet of ideas. And that, and that doesn't mean I haven't learned a lot from him. Like, um, I mean, if you check my Evernote, there are, Lots of times, we will go reference one of his like lectures on YouTube or something to try to figure out what he's what what I'm, whatever it is I'm trying to learn about. But but again, not to keep praising Ray Pete here, but it's like the whole thing, like his is the whole thing he presents is so compelling to me. And when I don't see that in somebody else, it's very disinteresting. So again, go, going back to the vitamin D thing, when they're when they're saying that vitamin D is toxic, but they're not like surrounding it with a bunch of other information that supports that hypothesis it's like it's completely it's completely disinteresting it's like an out of context thing it's same with the vitamin a is toxic thing although that's easier to accept because i think the vitamin a if you eat too much suppresses the thyroid function so i can actually kind of understand that one um but you you know being in the health space like every few years like something that was good becomes toxic and it's usually wrong you
0: know Right. There's there's something special to the novelty of uh, or saying something novel. You get a following just because of that. So anytime you present something that's out of the ordinary, it doesn't have to be right or wrong. As long as it's out of the ordinary, then again, Ray's really good at that and being right. But (laughs) but there's so many individuals that I think they're like not sure themselves, but they go for it just because they're going to gain a following just from having uh, going against the grain. And I'm I'm all for thinking outside of the box, but like have a little bit of certainty before propagating an idea that has so many things going against it, actually. Um, that might that statement might come to bite me in the butt later, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, OK, so OK, so speaking of the vitamin D thing, I'm not pro vitamin D. Like I said this on the debate, I'm not pro vitamin D because I read a bunch of papers about it like I. Like I, I think not that many people know how like sick I've been. Like I, I seriously think I had some form of liver disease after getting off zero carb. Mm. And so like, so again, I think I was very sensitive during that time and vitamin D even before I found Ray was like one of the things so early on that was so helpful for me. You know, like, um, I think some, some of the, one of the problems with people with liver disease is they have, it's called like hypersomnolence where they like, usually have insomnia stay up all night and then sleep like most of the day. And that was me. I could sleep till like one or 2 AM or 2 PM. And the vitamin D like got rid of that so quickly, you know, and, and <laughs> that, that was such a, like a debilitating, um, part of like, I couldn't do anything in the morning. Like I, and then I usually be recovering in the afternoon and then awake at night and then just go through the whole cycle over and over again. And so again, it's not. I, I'm not again to reiterate. I'm not pro vitamin D because I read one paper and it was so convincing. It was like I, having direct experience with it is um, the direct source of all knowledge, or what was the quote from Rank? But all, but also that doesn't mean I'm I'm always correct with my experience. Like I'm up for revising the, those ideas. But the evidence would have to be extremely compelling, not just some like random thought of. Uh, it, it would have to be. It would have to be plentiful, I
0: think. Right. Yeah. I, I'm i no vitamin D expert. I'm not. I, I, I go along with the thought process that you have, which is I see Ray's coherent picture of physiology and I see where vitamin D fits in. Uh, and I'm totally open to questioning that. I, I've been questioning stuff since I started my health journey. I mean, I, I have no problem telling people I lost my weight on low carb, even though I don't suggest people eat low carb. I'm very open. The One thing that I like to reference for vitamin D is that if you look at cholecalciferol and the way that it's made, it's from lanolin, right? And the, from the sheep and it's irradiated to produce it. Um, There was a book that I was reading. I, I don't, I, unfortunately I can't reference it, but I do remember this line and it was talking about Italian immigrants and they came and when they made their pasta, they would dry their pasta on their balconies. And they later outlawed that. They didn't, or some form of uh, control over that saying you can't do that. I don't know if they didn't like the way it looked or whatever. And the Italians became vitamin D deficient. (laughs) So there was something going on with the cholesterol maybe in the egg because I know that they make the pasta with egg. Um, And I think that when you put out uh, something with cholesterol or, or butter or something outside and let it get irradiated by the sun, you're actually producing some vitamin D in that
1: that product and and that's that crazy product. i've never heard
0: that <laughs> right so and, and i kind of wanted to talk to ray about this too so when when we're told that eating vitamin d is unnatural or we're eating it in really high quantities uh, i'm sure there are issues with supplemental vitamin d and impurities 100%. But I, yeah but i don't think that it is foreign to eat vitamin d not just natural vitamin d from a grazing cow in the field but then enhancing that vitamin d through some process like drying your pasta outside.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't have to we have to dwell on this. I think the, the argument is actually so incoherent that it's not really that important to address, you know, like um like does PTH respond to blood calcium like yes or no? Like I think that's an obvious yes. Does vitamin colocalciferol increase intestinal absorption of calcium? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. <laughs> like that, and then does is pth responsible for activating the enzyme i think it's called like one alpha hydroxylase that activates the 125d yes or no like yes okay i think i am almost like i think it's that simple and I'm, that that debate we had on kitty blomfield's channel i think got a little bit off the rails and also just for the record i think it was like four on one on matt i thought kate deering was anti-vitamin d and so i didn't know it was gonna be a three on one that was a, was actually a little unfair i thought but yeah. um but Anyways, I, I – it's super disinteresting to me, to be honest with you. It's like yeah. – so – but um, but yeah, it unfortunately, you have to – you I, I answer emails about that, like, every other day. So, I mean, it is right. probably important to talk about.
0: Right. Especially when an individual who really believes in it is making a huge scene around it, you, you – a lot – it's causing a lot of <laughs> – <laughs> uh, it's causing a lot of uh, – but that's fine. You know, I, I'm totally for – Questioning that rhetoric, but but sometimes um, people don't see the behavior of people behind the curtain, uh, and when you see that, your perception of what they're saying in the public sphere gets altered. Um, you know, when when you see someone being gentle and kind to people when other people are watching, but much different behind the curtain, uh, that can definitely change how much you believe in someone too. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't want to dwell on that so much. Um, so uh, yeah, I I liked that debate. I definitely listened to it and. I've listened to a lot of Matt's stuff before, but I knew of Morley Robbins before Matt and um, the individual uh, that he refers to is his name Jim or something like that. I don't remember his name exactly. I thought it would have been really nice for them to be there too, so that they could present their case in a more from the origin place. Uh, you know, just like when you you're really good at representing Ray's work, Danny. But when Ray's there, he has this knowledge base that we don't know is there that he all of a sudden taps into and you're like, where'd that come from, right? So so I think if if um, Morley was there or if, I think his name is Jim, they might be able to make some arguments that Matt couldn't make and I'm all for hearing it, but it's going to be nice to see that refine itself in their own little sphere. Um, I just hope that a lot of people don't get negatively affected by that as they avoid vitamin D. Like you said, it's such a cheap solution to so many problems that at least trying it might be beneficial fine if you react to it let it go if if you feel horrible let it go but discouraging people from trying such a uh potentially therapeutic compound i'm i don't know (laughs) i don't really like that idea
1: i mean i I, again i totally agree with you the only counter i can see is like a lot of people would say the same about like fish oil they'd be like oh it's such a basic anti-inflammatory i can't believe these people are anti-fish oil like how dare they they're just making everybody sick but I, but I honestly, like, that is my my brain makes that, but it, I, don't, I just don't think it's in the same realm. Like, I just don't think vitamin D is um, uh, on that level of danger or risk. And so I, I 100% agree with you, Morley or the other dude, he, he should have uh, presented straight from the source. But I, I think maybe the ruffling of feathers here is the, like, Whatever the bioenergetic community is, it's like it's being conflated with like a Morley position or a Ray position, and so they're they're like yesterday on Twitter, somebody uh, typed in like um I got terribly sick on uh, Ray Pete slash Morley Robbins diet. <laughs> And I was like, what is, like, what is that? Like, what, uh, what would that look like? And so I was, that, that person though is conflating them thinking they were basically like the same person. And yeah. I've listened to approximately one Morley interview, so I couldn't even tell you what his thesis was, but I'm sure it's different than Ray. You know, it doesn't even focus on yeah. mineral metabolism or something. Right. Um, so, so I don't know, I, navigating all this stuff is complex. And also I think the part of that is probably a lot of people defecting from a carnivore. And so they're like, okay, what is next? And it, I think it's either Morley or Ray or Jack Cruz or, or something like that. And, and it might, it's probably very difficult to navigate and, and like understand what these people are saying. Cause I know yeah. I, I can't speak for you, but like uh, glycolysis or whatever, like even getting into that was so above my pay grade. And I never, I never even wanted to learn about that stuff. I thought it was too complicated. So, uh, right. so, so again, I, I think there's, especially for Ray's work, there's a kind of a high barrier to entry and it kind of demands a lot of the person. Yeah. So I think that's why you get so many bad takes on the Internet. is like because it, it, it takes a lot of effort, I think, to get into it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I Like we were talking about of how we got here, like even when I used to listen to Chris Kresser, like he was a catalyst in me accepting Ray Pete's information because while people would bash certain foods, he would actually have an opposing view and be like, well, it might not be so bad like this, like that, even though he was part of like the low carb paleo sphere, right? So I always like those individuals that were like, I know the collective of us says this, but here's some evidence to the contrary. Um, that I think helped um, materialize these little footsteps for me that I could follow and, you know, come to where I'm at now. And I, I, I would be lying if I said I agree with Ray on everything, right? I, I never want to be a person who agrees with someone else on everything, because I always want part of my own individual thought, I I like that idea of having part of my own individual thought. Um, However, wrong or right, just like you're saying, your experience with vitamin D doesn't necessarily come from all text, uh, text or, you know, referenceable material, but also your personal experience. So people shouldn't let go of their personal experience. Totally.
1: Yeah. Well, even trying to, like, drill down Ray on something is he'll, he'll, like, reframe it. You know what I mean? And so... That's, yes. uh, that's the interesting thing about Ray is I, he never wants to be put on a box. Like, like he'll reframe something. That's not disagreeing with something he said before, but it's like a completely different re- reframe, you know? And so, um, I had a friend of mine, yeah. you know, that knows kind of um, understood him way better than I ever will. She's like, Danny, something you have to understand about Ray is he never wants to be put into to a box. And I think I was telling her that when I interviewed him, Sometimes I'd have access to an email that he said and it'd be like, okay, I'm going to ask Ray about this so he can give me this answer because (laughs) I want to like, like provide that information to people. And then I'd ask him and then he'd give me a completely different answer.
0: Yeah. And
1: and it would actually kind of screw up the interview because I'd have like things like one after the other. And the answer would be so out of left field and I wouldn't expect it that it would like cause me to become discombobulated and like off kilter. And so that's, that's, Ray, like uh, that's the creative thinking. And again, the testament to his own philosophy and energetic ideas is that um, looking at the same thing from like multiple different angles and giving a person a reframe on it. And and, and again, it's it's probably a, um, some kind of health metric to be able to do that so many different times on so many different subjects. It's incredible.
0: Right. He he almost has like an understanding of this multiverse Like he, he he looks at it from a different ray, a ray that considers this or a ray that considers that it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it, it's a three dimensional approach, you know, it's, it's not this two dimensional or or this uh, approach to where it's like, here's the equation, here's the answer to the equation. He has all these multiple answers. It's almost like he gauges the context in that conversation and doesn't supply the answer that someone is looking for, but that he thinks is correct in that context Uh, or, or, that applies to that context or what they're searching for that they might not know that they're searching for. <laughs>
1: and doesn't want to negate the person's own experience right. of the thing they're looking for, you know, yep. and, and again, that, I mean, again, talking to people uh, in just in my limited experience, the more and more you realize it's not about like providing technical information. It's just about having a conversation with them. And so I, I came to realize that I, I feel like over talking to lots of different people that, um, yeah. Just affirming their journey and their intuition, you know, and, and, and that is a journey in and of itself to rediscover that, uh, your own, what's it called? The orienting reflex or navigating principle and the, the culture is like relentlessly beating that out of you and then yeah. you have to go refind it. And so, and how, and how, and that journey for everybody is going to be radically different. And that process is going to be likely a multi-year year process. And, I've said this many times, but sometimes I've had um, somebody like found me on YouTube and and wanted to talk. And we had a conversation. It was just like probably the most confusing thing on the planet for them. And then like a year or two years (laughs) later, they wanted to talk again and they were like, Hey, I've actually been like reading about this stuff and I want to talk again. It's like a totally different thing, you know, because that person just went on a one or two year journey and then they have some, um, some aspects or something that they've noticed about their health or their experience that they can bounce, bounce back. And so, yeah, you got to like, like, I think I found rain right like late 2011, 2012. Like that, that was eight, mm-hmm. nine years ago. Like yeah. that's a long, I mean, relatively like long time ago, you know? And so, and then I'm still learning new things every day, you know, like about myself and about the world we live in. So yeah, I wouldn't want to negate that for somebody else.
0: Yeah. That, that seed don't under I always say don't underestimate the seed that gets planted (laughs) do not underestimate that thing that thing's squirming and consuming (laughs) all all of its vitamin e and poofa and trying trying to bust bust out of you and when it busts out your whole world might change so (laughs) that's kind of what happened with me with the 2012 being exposed I think it was 2012 being exposed to ray through bulletproof or Dave Asprey and
1: I gotta Uh, know do you remember the article The I definitely was not on his podcast
0: I'll send it to you I'll send it it was some form of content it might have been on facebook it might have just been as simple as one post um but but the reason why it resonated so much with me is not because of dave asprey but because of the guy that i was uh really uh fond of and i always had this intuitive like naturalist or or is that the right word naturist i don't know i'm not trying to say that i walk around naked i just enjoy (laughs) um I, I, that always appealed to me, but I always also like to think of things on a very deep level and understand why. I think a lot of humans have that need to understand why. You want to be a simple man, like Leonard Skinner says, but you also want to <laughs> understand why you should be a simple man. right? So, <laughs> um, Anyway, so I, I was going through Adil Taloran's work, and he had all that PUFA information. And when I got exposed to Ray and how congruent and how, uh, how much they aligned, I definitely considered it. And the sugar stuff is what was kind of getting to me, um, not because I was low carb, but because I was so dogmatic in my whole food approach. So I loved carbohydrates. I loved fruit. Whenever someone demonized fruit, I would always take them with a grain of salt because I just never could fathom that fruit would be bad for someone. And but for I wasn't connecting the dots between fruit and sugar. I was, for some reason, my brain was like, these two are different. Sugar's bad, fruit is good, right? (laughs) And uh, Ray really helped me to synergize those two and understand why the sugar is actually a huge part of why fruit is healthy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was, so I, again, I had to do a brutal two-year stint on carnivore to get to that place. Like, um, and when I heard him talking about sugar and things, I was like, this is this is just crazy enough to be true. You know, like that was my, and, and also I was like, you tried literally everything else. Like the, there has to be some, and, and again, I I'm, I apologize if somebody's heard me say this before, but like, um, Ray was talking about the hormones so much, like the cortisol, the prolactin, the estrogen and things like, those were always interesting to me. And I just had like forgotten about them on paleo and carnivore. Like the, a lot of the guru people, they just didn't mention those things that often or ever. And I and I thought that was um they were obviously not like ignoring some huge part. Of, in fact, I think Paul um Jamine, like somebody asked him on a comment, they're like, um what do you think about XYZ hormone? And he's like, I usually don't talk about endocrinology because it's too confusing. <laughs> it's just like, well, you, you're not gonna incorporate this into your view because it's too confusing? Like is endocrinology not important to health or something? It this is bizarre. And so Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that that sugar thing and being anti-cortisol or the glucocorticoid, the whole one of its main function is to turn protein into sugar and you could eat carbohydrate and that could turn off that process. And I had just gone two years of gluconeogenesis, you know, and I knew it wasn't <laughs> so hot. <laughs> I was like, okay, I think I'll give this a try. So, and then, again, then raise kind of confidence. And I don't know what the right word is like kind of non like um, cavalier. Is that the right word? Like kind of just like, yeah. Yeah. This is like not a big thing. I was like, I'm going to give this give this a try. And so, yeah. And the rest, rest is history.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I never went like a zero carb like I guess Agenous Wonder Planet is not zero carb because he likes raw milk. But I, I never went that route, um, probably just because I didn't have a big enough influence to convince me that that was correct. Not so much that I reviewed it in detail and was like, this is wrong. But I just wasn't I didn't have a influential person in my life that tried to convince me of that. Um, but I actually could never have fathomed avoiding carbs uh, after that initial low carb movement. The, the funny thing is that, that that low carb that I did to, it, when I was younger, it it was a diet to me. It wasn't a philosophy to me. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't like carbs are bad. I was just like for some reason, I should be avoiding these. (laughs) I was a kid, you know, like that was the depth that I was thinking about it then. I was like, avoiding this makes me slimmer. Avoiding this makes me feel better. But so that didn't leave this like permanent scar on my mind that carbs are bad. It was just what I did at that point. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe it was my adolescent mind that was so capable of not clinging onto something dogmatically and just letting it happen.
1: When I was in high school, I did like Atkins, and it was kind of the same way. It was like right. this is just a diet to lose weight. It's not my life, you know. Exactly. And, and and that that must be a new. I mean, I don't know if it is, but it, it could be. Could it be a new phenomena that you have to align with what your ancestors did, or, or whatever the hell this story is for Paleo or, or zero carb, or whatever? So right. So yeah, that I mean, the YouTube health scene that that like uh, I, I think. I remember veganism or fruitarianism being very very big on YouTube when it first, um, the, those being some of the only uh, like nutrition oriented like YouTube videos. And yeah. I remember paleo being like non-existent at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting how that scene has kind of like refined itself over time, and people jettisoning, jettisoning uh, different diets and things like that. Yeah, um, that now actually. We... Go ahead.
0: Go ahead. I was just gonna say now we have the old vegans eating raw pig heads in... and. <laughs> In, in vegan uh festivals <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but it really it really is wild so yeah who could have guessed that w- that was going to happen
0: so i, I just want to take a quick break and say that you guys uh, are listening to the primitive initiative podcast and i have danny roddy here with me i had a lot of questions for danny but i i really like the way this is going we're just kind of like reviewing our life in context here and kind of you know i think this is important um because it kind of helps people understand maybe Ray uh, through a different perspective than, like, we're just talking about how different he is than all the other gurus that we have experienced. And he's not a guru, but that's the way that we I perceived some of the other people that I followed. So I think it's important to even give a context to Ray, because he speaks so differently and acts so differently, that you almost need an acclamation period before you're, like, okay, like this is a very sincere person <laughs> who just wants to help people. So I, this is great. I get to know Danny deeper. Danny gets to know me deeper, and we kind of get to share why we're drawn to not just the same individual, but Ray also opens up the whole door of a different view of physiology. You have Albert St. Georgie. You have Gilbert Ling. You have mei Ho. I mean, all of these people who are in the fringes of science, that the minority views in science that have huge implications for the way that the body operates and the future of humanity and um so so this i I, maybe i view this as our introductory conversation and we we we'll have to have another one to go through what i really wanted to go uh, dissect from you which is your expertise in in hair loss because i have some friends and family who I want to expose to this, not because so much that I care that their hair grows back, no offense, but because I want them to be healthy people. And those two just happen to align um, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming. I'll,
1: I'll, I'll come back anytime, anytime you'll have me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
0: And, and I don't mean to wrap this up, but you, you tell me and you know, I can edit this part out since we're not live, but um, do you, do you have time to talk more or do you need to get going?
1: Maybe a little bit. You know, the thing is, I'm so hot. It's like ridiculously hot. So I'm like, like on the verge of like, <laughs> I'm like getting lightheaded. <laughs>
0: so, Not a problem.
1: So, so honestly, if it were cool, like we could talk for hours. I'm just yeah. A, anytime, even those live streams, I'm like semi delirious towards the end because it's gotten so hot here. But, but yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. I'm going to pretend like we're going in. So for <laughs> editing purposes. <laughs>
1: You can keep that in. I don't mind if people know I'm extremely hot right now. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, That. so I, I've i really enjoyed having you in this conversation, and, you know, it's just, it, I think it was long overdue. I've been wanting to talk to you, ask you about stuff, and I still haven't gotten to some of the stuff that hopefully we can get to in part two when you have time. Um, I wanted to ask you about Mexico. I wanted to ask you about your your thoughts, and you don't have to answer this now, but your thoughts on like a community there. And uh, I know we just talked about earlier on how it can be kind of hard to figure out what to do. Even if you do have a community of people, I, I can
1: touch on that real quickly. Cause if, uh, yeah. I, I, maybe maybe we were talking off air, but a few um, couples have come down here asking or, or like, not like I know anything, but but inquiring about like starting like a, a farm. And so I think that is happening to some degree down here. I don't know how what that what shape that's going to take but um man yeah if things get worse in the us and people do start jumping ship and coming here i can only think that that will happen but um but you know i i know two people right now that are like searching for places to have like a some kind of communitarian effort and so i think that i think that is a real possibility and of course i will go with my intuition on that and and follow (laughs) Ah, uh, follow that towards um, uh, whatever looks looks appealing for the long run. but uh, but yeah, I, I like we were talking earlier, I just don't think my lifestyle is even sustainable into the future, just being alone. and um, I just don't think that's gonna be possible,
0: yeah, yeah, I, I definitely had the loner mindset for a while. and then I was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to have paradise on my 10 acres and then it's going to take a group of five people to hijack it. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, get ruby ridged.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have no intent on fighting people for resources. Come, I will share. But I doubt that a lot of people will share that <laughs> opinion. Yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, so before I let you go, I kind of want to ask you um, a question that I, it's just for my personal uh benefit I guess. What do you think about the food in Mexico compared to the United States? Like we see a lot of food here that's coming from Mexico, right? You see it says from Mexico and stuff. But as a person there, I'm guessing the orange juice is way better. But you tell me.
1: I was pleasantly surprised. And so when I I had never been to Mexico before before I moved here. And so when I got here, like the first 2 days were like what the hell am I doing? <laughs> this is like this is like, the stupidest thing you've ever done. And then there was this organic store called Via Organica, uh, run by, and they have a farm slightly outside of town. So most of their produce and fruit was from this farm. And I, I, I'm not joking. I walked in there and I was like, "Oh, everything's gonna be okay." And, and like, and, and they just had such great produce and fruit, and the people were so friendly there. And like, the first my first friends of like the people at the market that I talked to were there. And unfortunately, it closed down because of the pandemic. It's super screwed up, um, but. The food here, and to answer your question, is excellent. And so, uh, and so, right, right, seems to think like the food is even significantly better quality where he is. And so, I don't know if there's something about San Miguel where I am. It's like Gringo Central, where it might be like lower quality. <laughs> uh, but I have no complaints. I, 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 think the food quality here is great, and then you pay pay less for it.
0: I see. Yeah, I I've been to Mexico a couple times, but I was basically on a mono meal of fried fish both of those times. <laughs> and <laughs> I just loved the whole fish that they had that they would fry up. That that's literally all I ate, so and I didn't have this mindset that I had to have now, so I wasn't seeking out the foods that I probably would be seeking out just like you now if I was to come there. So I was I was curious of that. So Well, cool. well, one well
1: of, sorry to interrupt, but one of the nice things is if you really do want something and they don't have it, you do have to make a um connection. And so the right. places I go for the foods, like I know the guy that goes and gets the liver and I know the people that order the milk. And so that what that is a nice nice part about being here. And and it will be devastating if those places go out of business because not yeah. only are they great people but um obviously I couldn't get the food that I need to feel well, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think monetarily speaking um it's probably at this point in time easier to get by there, than it would be in the United States. <laughs> Sig,
1: I think significantly. Where I am, it's yeah. kind of ritzy and bougie, and, and so anywhere else would probably be significantly cheaper. But even here, I think it's significantly cheaper. So no, I think your dollar goes a lot farther uh, here than it. Like I mean, I, I was I look I was looking at three thousand dollars for a studio apartment in San Francisco. Like, yeah. So and it wasn't even nice. And so, <laughs> so right. yeah, I think the quality of life here is significantly better.
0: Awesome. Well, Danny, thank you so much for your time. And this was a great conversation. I, you know, it it didn't follow the regular format that I have for podcasts where it's like, you know, dissect information, get as much as you can. But this was, this was informative in a whole different way. And I really, really enjoyed it. I love that we had a podcast like this. I like that this is in my uh, repertoire of podcasts.
1: Now. <laughs> Total pleasure. Thank you for having me. Total pleasure. Yeah.
0: And, and excuse me if I didn't give you the formalities that I should have, like a proper introduction and that type of stuff. But if you would, just please tell people how they can uh, help you uh, in terms of your Patreon and you also give content in return uh, where they can access you, where they can watch your videos, your articles, all of that.
1: Maybe at the moment the best place would be the Telegram, so t.me/slash danny roddy, and so if you wanted to f- keep up with content, that would probably be a good place to go. But I don't know how long that will be around. So maybe a backup to that would be just dannyroddy.com. But I'm really bad; I don't like post regular content on there. So t.me/slash danny roddy would be the best.
0: Absolutely, and and make sure you check out Danny's previous podcasts with De- with. Uh, with Ray and Georgie Dinkoff, and also the current live streams, which are just amazing and make my Fridays. (laughs) (laughs) And I've really been trying to get off like the Google platforms and stuff. So I I have less of a presence than I used to. And it, it really burns me. (laughs) I really want to like contribute there and like help out. But I'm really trying to pull away from these horrendous tech companies. So uh, excuse me for that. But
1: (laughs) no All right. Same.
0: <laughs> well, Danny, have a good night. Thank you so much for your time. And please let's, let's do a part two and dig in anytime, deep anytime, anytime. All right, brother. Take it easy. Cool. Bye. Bye. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the primitive initiative podcast. Please don't forget to rate subscribe, follow, and share. If you'd like to find out ways to support us and for show notes, resources, and timestamps, please head on over to primitiveinitiative.com.